25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Carol. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks in The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here we go. Hour two of the show, off and running. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau, local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. You got to check them out at favrates.com. You can find the agent and the name and the office near you. So check them out, favorites.com. Coming up in five, or about that much, uh, we'll have a chat on the Divinity Equipment phone line with Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports in Nashville. They do a great job there at A to Z covering uh, sports in and around Nashville. He's a Tennessee guy, but also uh, they cover the Titans. And we're talking Jeffrey Simmons earlier, kid from Mississippi, made his NFL debut. I don't know that anybody really expected him to be able to do that this quickly after tearing his ACL back in February, but he did it. So um, we'll talk with Austin coming up. On the text line, there's a couple here left over from hour one. I wanted to just point this out. Fluffy on the text line said, uh, my all-time favorite Redheaded Stranger song has to be his duet with Ray Charles and Seven Spanish Angels. He said, sorry if it's already been mentioned. I'm always late to the game. Yeah, I did mention that one. It's my favorite. Those two, no doubt. Willie Nelson's A Horse Called Music. I'm going to have to look that one up. Don't know it. Hey, listen, and I'm not a huge Toby Keith fan. And that that newer, once you get past about 1999, (laughs) and I mean, I know Keith's kind of in on the end of that. But, you know, the, the, the 90s, Alan Jackson, George Strait finishing up his dominance sort of thing. That, that's kind of where the country music familiarity and enjoyment for me ends at about that point on the timeline. The train left the station. Yeah, that's right. But the Toby Keith and Willie Nelson deal, uh, Beer for My Horses. Oh, that's great. I love that one. I love that one. Well, you know, he, he did another one that's, that's kind of funny. He hit another guy, and it was and you get YouTube it. I'll never smoke with Willie Nelson again. <laughs> All about what happens when you when you do you know when you when you smoke with Willie. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. Tim says, Matt, what did you think of Marcel Brooks for the Tigers? He's only a freshman, along with Stingley. Look, you know LSU's they're LSU. Uh, they kind of have it going. They didn't really need anything to kickstart. Even better recruiting, but this may do it for him this year. We'll see about that. But yeah, and Stingley was did he play the whole game? Or am I crazy and he got banged up, or do I have him mixed up with somebody else? 
starting to get foggy, and it's only Tuesday. <clears throat> Speaking of Willie Nelson, starting to get foggy in here. Uh, QB1 on the text line, he said, could Joe be having a harder time seeing the field and the defense on the sidelines as opposed to being up in the box like he's used to? I'm sure at Fordham he was on the sidelines, but we're talking Patriot League versus SEC. Listen, at Penn State, I think Joe Moorhead was actually on the sideline. Don't quote me on that. But I thought I watched Penn State games where he was calling plays from the sideline and not in the booth. Again, you might have to go back and look, watch it, and see. I think that's that's kind of the way I picture it in my head. I have one of those memories. It's all about pictures and what you see and <laughs> not about words and numbers. And I can close my eyes and I picture him on the sideline at Penn State. Maybe I dreamed that up. And then uh, Ice was saying earlier that he said redshirt freshman did not catch big-time passes early in the year like that 2018 Florida game. And he said, correction, yeah, uh, Osiris was a redshirt sophomore in 2018. But it was his first year to start. But Ice, you said um, still too raw to catch that Florida pass. I, I just disagree with that. I, I think by the time you step on that field and your coaches put you in that situation – by that time, you either can or can't. And if they put you out there, you can. And then it's not a matter of can or can't once they put you out there. They've already decided. You've shown it in practice. You've shown it to the coaches. You can. Then it's a matter of do or don't. And I don't think the age matters, honestly. <clears throat> hey, Roger, real quick before we go to Austin, I was just going to tell you, it was fingerprint pottery was the name of that in Pontotoc that made this cup. That's pretty neat. Fingerprint Pottery, and his name is uh, Jim Huff. There in Pontotoc, Mississippi, your old stomping grounds. All right, let's do it right now. Let's uh, speaking of stomping grounds, some of y'all that listen, y'all call Nashville home. Well, a guy that calls it home right now, this very moment. In fact, he's probably there right now. Austin Stanley with A to Z Sports. You can look him up online there at A to Z. Sports Nashville, and uh, they do a great job covering sports in and around Nashville. You can see them on your Twitter feed and online every single day uh, of the week. And then, of course, on the weekends, too, especially this time of year. Austin's a Tennessee grab at a to z sportsnashville.com, and you all follow him on Twitter at AustinStanley81, and he's on your radio right now. Austin, hey, before we go much further, congrats on uh, tip of the cap on Tennessee's win a couple of weeks ago. We stayed up there. <laughs> Did you see that coming? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I thought I thought State would be able to to use the quarterback's legs and and run past Tennessee's defense. But uh, you got to give credit to Jeremy Pruitt what he's doing. Their defense is playing a lot better, and they had a chance. They had a small chance against Alabama uh, because of the two injury. But uh, a lot of talk about the Jared Garantano going rogue quarterback sneak. Oh, uh, I know over the last 72 hours or so, uh, they ended that chance very quickly. Um, just about as quick as Diggs can run 107 yards with the football. But I uh, know <laughs> pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good performance a couple weeks ago from Tennessee's defense against State. And that was a big win for Pruitt for sure. With the last two weeks, a win for Tennessee against State and then playing well against Alabama, Tennessee fans back on board. I think so, um, and for the most part, I feel like most Tennessee fans 
just look at the quarterback situation as being what's holding this team back because of, of how bad Jared Garantano has been. And we talked at media days, and I don't think anybody expected him to be playing this horribly yeah. Um, this season, uh, we all expected every Garantano to take the next step and this to maybe be a, a seven win team. And, uh, if they didn't botch a game against Georgia State and didn't botch the ending against BYU, then maybe they would actually have a chance. But now it's a, a fighting chance to try to win four of their last five to get to a bowl game. But I think for the most part, people are okay with Jeremy Pruitt just because of how much they've improved, um, the, the last couple of weeks or so. Now they have to continue that improvement and win a few more games here down the stretch. Sure. Austin Stanley on your radio, and in my prolonged intro, again, I tell you, you need to follow him on Twitter, especially if you're a um, – you may not necessarily be a diehard Titans fan. Maybe you are, but if you're an Ole Miss fan, you want to keep up with A.J. Brown, the receiver for the Titans. And if you're a State fan, you want to keep up with Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans, you need to check out ADC Sports. And Austin is on Twitter, at AustinStanley81. So, Austin – Jeffrey Simmons, first-rounder for the Titans, makes his debut this past Sunday. And before we get to what he did, how big of a surprise for you and those that follow the team closely? I I know you would have had fair warning leading up, but just if you rewound to the draft knowing what you knew then, are you surprised that he's already back out there and playing this year? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people will – at the situation and said, well, okay, this team doesn't have a lot of starting spots up for grabs. They're truly doing a redshirt type year. And this year was all about the quarterback anyway, which is a whole different conversation. But uh, based off of Mike Vrabel's history last year of bringing guys along slowly, returning from injury, he did that with Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry last year on the defensive side of the ball. uh, they've been very cautious with guys with injuries. Even Derrick Henry in training camp this year didn't really do much. And so I think a lot of people expected them to take Simmons slowly. And we all knew what the window was for the non-football injury list of, okay, you can start practicing after week six. You got three weeks to decide if you want to put him on the fifth three man mm. or keep him on IR or whatever it might be. But to play week seven uh, and to, to play how he played week seven, I don't think anybody saw that coming. He didn't disappoint either, did he? No. I mean, I just saw the Titans tweet about 20 minutes ago that he's a nominee for NFL Rookie of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he played 21 snaps, and it felt like that was 33% of the snaps, and it felt like he was out there a lot more than that because he was was making an impact, and he was noticeable uh, on just about every snap that he was in there. Yeah. What's kind of the word you pay attention to the post game and what he said and what coaches said and everything about his debut? What's that message coming out of the locker room after that game about his debut? Well, a lot of his teammates were excited to, to get him out there. And that was a lot of the chatter last week before the game against the Chargers. Darrell Casey was just glowing about him. And everybody, I don't know what they called him down at state, but everybody in the locker room and around the facility for the Titans just called him Big Jeff. Because uh, that's that's what he is, and yeah. and uh, everybody was really excited to see what he would be able to do, even just after three days of practice. I think he's kind of created a reputation uh, around the the facility of just being a big, strong guy who's got a lot of explosiveness. And uh, you got guys like Cam Wake uh, talking last week about looking forward to seeing seeing him play. And for me, uh, I was excited to go back and watch watch his snaps for a second time Sunday night. 
And I've never said that about a defensive lineman before. Yeah. <laughs> Normally you go back and rewatch quarterback play or something else, but not an, not an interior defensive lineman like that. It was, it was pretty impressive. You know, in Austin, that first tackle that he, so the first tackle of his career was a TFL and it's in the run game and it mirrored so much of what we saw from him in college. And that is he can get into big, strong, legit offensive linemen. And once he gets his arms extended, it's like he doesn't even have to really work that hard, and he just takes them wherever he wants to take them. He took him right back to the ball carrier. Oh, it's three yards in the backfield. Yeah. And it, it looked easy the way he did it. And you mentioned it was a run play, and that's one of the things that I was kind of curious about, how they would use him. Would they use him more in passing downs just to kind of get some push up the middle? Or would they be okay and comfortable with his knee and run and run plays where um, – where he might have a potential to, to get a cup block or something uh, on that knee. But they've played him in every type of situation. And, you know, the, the first tackle that he made, like you mentioned, and then the play that won the game for the Titans, uh, when Wesley Woodyard forced the fumble on Gordon at the goal line to end the game, Jeffrey Simmons blew that play up to start and allowed for Woodyard to slash in from the linebacker spot to make a play on the running back. And then Jarrell Casey was right there to pick up the ball. So, uh, and then he got the the only sack of the game on Philip Rivers was from '98. So he he was really he was really good. I know I've already used the word impressive a couple times, but I, I, that's just kind of what it was. And you know he's the uh, nominee for NFL Rookie of the Week for a reason. Austin Stanley on your radio right now, Austin. Um, so in that division, you're looking here, and and basically a game and a half is all that separates the Colts at the top and. The Jags and the Titans, so they're four and two. Houston's four and three. Jags and Titans three and four. So understatement, probably, to say that it's anybody's division, even at this point. I, am I crazy? I, it's definitely up for grabs, um, just because it is pretty close, and uh, the Titans are in an zero and two hole in the division because of losing week two and week three to the Colts and the Jags. Uh, and they don't play the Texans until week 15 and 17. So okay. who knows if Deshaun Watson is going to be healthy at that point. Yeah. The offensive line has improved a lot for the Texans. But I, I do think it's up for the gra- up for grabs. Who knows what's going to happen with Nick Foles if he comes back and takes over for Gardner Minshew. But the Titans winning that game Sunday against the Chargers extends their season. It would have been really tough to give them a shot if they lost that game and fell to 2-5, and five, and then they're three games back. Uh, or two and a half, three games back of the division lead. But, yeah, they definitely have a chance uh, because they play the Jags and Colts again, the Texans twice, like I mentioned. Uh, it, it's definitely up for grabs. And the Colts are a lot better than anybody expected without Andrew Luck because Bursette's playing really well. And Deshaun Watson's just a really good player yeah. and, and can always beat you. And he could, he could put up 50 points on any given Sunday if he feels like it. Austin, I, I don't. I didn't intend to bring you on here and then kind of like get you all riled up and get you started on the quarterback <laughs> thing. But yeah. um, but I'm just looking at it and I'm going, you know, I watched Tannehill and he has he's freed up. Like he's kind of, he's come off the bench and the other day he plays free. He's letting it fly. He's pulling the trigger, throwing it into tight windows, using his legs. He's confident, okay? And I'm going, man, if he plays and plays like that, they beat the Colts. If he plays like that, they may beat the Bills, and that's a good Bills team. And look, I I think it's a better Chargers team than people realize that you just beat. 
And it's kind of like you can't help for the Titans and, and go, what if? What if they just played him early? Yeah, and I definitely get that. And and I I, I only missed two training camp practices the whole uh, off season. And it, Marcus Mariota, for watching Mariota practice and play for four years, and now more than four years, is it's he's the true gamer okay. uh, type guy that you look at, where he doesn't wow you in practice. His ball doesn't have a ton of velocity, but he goes up there and he wins. Uh, and so that's that was the hard thing about Marcus Mariota is you don't really know how to evaluate him because he's winning games when he's playing before this year and uh, he's been be- so beat up but always has been able to make that play to win a game or or kind of put the franchise on his back and he's done a lot of big things for the Titans. Uh, but Tannehill did flash and did pop in training camp and Corey Davis made a bunch of plays. <laughs> going up and attacking the football at wide receiver in training camp. And the majority of those plays came from Tannehill, where Marcus is more shy about uh, throwing it into a tight window, where Marcus doesn't necessarily view things as, as open as Tannehill does. Yeah. And you saw that happen on Sunday. And uh, Tannehill has definitely given the Titans uh, a second life, new life, um, and taken over a starter. But, who knows? Tannehill could turn around and have a bad game and throw three picks, and the Titans are out of it. You know, Tannehill had a – the stats showed for what he did, 20, 79 complete percent, completion percentage, 312 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. That was a top-10 game uh, in his career when it comes to quarterback rating, rating as well. So he played really, really well, better than he has in the last three years. Austin Stanley on your radio from A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Y'all follow him on Twitter at AustinStanley81. AJ Brown, another local kid. It's so it's so interesting. He's your leading receiver. The guy on the team everybody's probably the most excited about right now is Jeffrey Simmons. And those two are from Starkville and Knoxville County. They grew up literally 20 miles from each other, and now they're leading the Titans. And AJ Brown, your leading receiver. It's just incredible how that's worked out for those two. Yeah, and the fan base loves A.J. Brown. I mean, I, I, he has a lot going on about A.J. Brown. He's got the swag, the yeah. attitude, the, the touchdown dance where he, he unlocks, opens up the, the vault, grabs the money, and throws it in the air. He's at Atlanta. <laughs> he, he makes plays. He he runs hard after the catch. And I, I think it's the Titans have to figure out how to get him more involved uh, because he only he keeps making plays. And mm. he's fun to be around because – the rest of the wide receiver group, as I've talked some with Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp over the last few years and before that, Rashard Matthews, they're all pretty, you know, low key guys. They're not big talkers. They go out there, they do their jobs, but AJ Brown goes out there, works hard, does his job, but does it with a lot of flair and flash, and he's fun to watch. And, uh, I, I think two fan favorites for the Titans fan base right now are those Mississippi boys for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt it. And, you know, I'm looking at this. And I'm just going to say it just because it's fun to say it this way. Uh, at this point in the season, Jeffrey Simmons is tied for fifth on the team in tackles for loss. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> you know, he also, he also has more tackles for loss than any of the defensive linemen drafted ahead of him. Too. Think about that. Uh, this, that is incredible. Season. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, and he's only been play- he's played 21 snaps. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It really is. It really is pretty cool, and it seems like everybody likes him uh, with the, in the facility, and all his teammates uh, like him, and they're, and they're truly excited to kind of see what he can do. And 
That's fun. It's fun when you see a first round pick that was a little bit of a gamble because of how much was invested in this season yeah. with the quarterback situation. But to see him come back so quickly and to be effective, uh, it, it can really change his defense because Albert Hainsworth is truly the last defensive lineman the Titans have had who's been as physically as imposing as Simmons. Jarrell Casey, don't get me wrong, is a Pro Bowl, all pro caliber defensive lineman. Uh, but he hasn't had anybody next to him like Jeffrey Simmons here in Nashville, and that's just going to make both of those guys stand out. It sure is. Well, and uh, I'm going to try to come up there and watch him play the Chiefs in, I guess it'll be three weeks. Um, yeah. That'll be interesting to see if Mahomes is back on the field by then. I would imagine he is, but uh, but we'll see. Um, I don't know how you just look at a kneecap and that's all, and nothing else goes wrong. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a miracle how that happened, and I'm sure NFL executives and TV and networks are ecstatic about that one. No, no question, because he's kind of like, you know, they're comparing him to Steph Curry. I don't know yet, but he he could track that down. They got to keep him upright. Yeah, they're they're gonna be that's right. Happy to get him back, Austin. I really appreciate you, man. I know every day is busy for you guys, and y'all had a full show this morning, but. I appreciate some time this afternoon. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks, Matt. Yep, thank you. That's Austin Stanley, A to Z Sports Nashville. Follow him on Twitter at AustinStanley81 and stick around. This thing, man. Shoot up in here amongst us. One of us got to have a little relief. That I, I embellished. That's not exactly what he said. He, he actually kept it more succinct than I did. The real Jerry Clower. Welcome back. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. If you're watching on the Facebook feed live or on Twitter slash Periscope, you probably during the break heard us say hello to Bo Bounds. What up, Bo? Now get out there and make some money. <laughs> here we go. We got him in here with us. Bo. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, Bo Cephas? Man, everything's going well. Is there, I'm just hanging out with Roger the Lamb. Roger the Lamb. I'll tell you what. Are, He's are, slumming it over here I, in our studio. I'm doing, I'm doing better than Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, according to I would just say according to the internet. But Bo, if you're I'll say this, regardless of results, if you're putting checks in the bank every two weeks the size of theirs, you then hats off to you. Well now you make a good point on that. You know both making over three point three million, so they are doing better than me. That's exactly right. They're doing pretty well. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, you know, um what I think is that the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Now, I did go on a big rant yesterday about how you shouldn't lower expectations. No, that's not. We're not in a game of lowering expectations anywhere. 
No. You know, to meet or match what we do, and that it shouldn't be that way. Not as expensive as tickets are. That's and tailgating, well, that's travel. Right. That's right. Everything else that people are investing in. That's so, right. I mean, but I think that'd be easy to do if you said, well, I will, you know, tickets are going to be 30% less. We're going to, we're going to lower expectations right. as coaches. So we'll, we'll, we'll allow the fans to, uh, not have to give the donation level and the, well, but here's the thing, the Bo. Money. In reality, okay, people go, you know, expectations versus reality. You know, well, how much of when we talk about reality, reality is excuses. Let me say this. When you take into consideration how, you know, if there are certain disadvantages at one school or disadvantages in one coach's current situation that they're working through, we're not saying those are excuses. We're not bringing them up as excuses. We're just saying, okay, this is an indication of how hard the job is. All right? Mm -hmm. Look, is the job at LSU harder than the job at state. No, it never has been. It may never be in our lifetime, right? Like we can say that with fact. It ain't harder at LSU. It's harder at state. It's harder at Ole Miss to to win those 10 games, to all that stuff. Sure. Okay, so we're not making excuses, right? We're just saying this is a fact. Okay, again, I'm not making excuses. But when we say this is how hard the job is, let me give you an example. Several years ago, Bo, we were at SEC Media Days. And talking to Gene Stallings, okay, just having fun. This is, I mean, literally only four or five years ago. And in the conversation, it was said, hey, Coach Stallings, if you could go back and coach again, would you go back to Texas A&M or would you go want to go back and coach Alabama? And he thought for like three or four seconds, stared kind of out the corner of his eye, and then he looked with this little grin and he goes, I think I'd choose Alabama. And I, and, <laughs> and I said a little bit of coaching honesty. <laughs> oh, by I the said, way, I love that guy, but I could see He's him great. That. You can't can't you see, and I said, you know that big deep booming voice. I said, "Well, why is that?" And he leaned kind of closer to me and he goes, "It's a lot easier to win at Alabama." <laughs> okay, that was his answer. Listen, there's something to that. And Bo, sure. if anybody's critical of a job a coaches are doing, they understand that. They, they can accept it. This is my point. Is there's For some of us and for some people, it, it's hard to accept that we need to see a season in its entirety. Now, I'm not saying that any coach is devoid of criticism or should be. I'm not saying that Joe Moorhead, you shouldn't, you know, criticize the way they prepared for the Auburn game. Good, because I did. <laughs> or the Tennessee game, they had two weeks to get ready for it. I'm not saying well, that, that you shouldn't. Cri- I'm not saying you shouldn't criticize Matt Luke for the way they started the season offensively against Memphis or Rich Rod, because frankly, you should, and they understand that. But what I'm saying is, when it comes to hey, cut the cord and send them rolling down the mountain. We're getting somebody else. Those kinds of things you have – I just – I do. I have to see the whole season. Because I got news for you. A win over Arkansas for State and Abilene Christian and Ole Miss to get to six wins and go win a bowl game, that's a whole lot of water under the bridge between now and then. And, and I'm going to – I'm probably going to, we're going to see, and everybody's going to see things a little differently if that happens. Okay. 
to the contrary, if it doesn't, people are going to see things a little differently and a little more heated than they do right now. So I just want to see the season in its entirety. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, it does. And we have to, you know, be Monday morning quarter rackets, what we do every sure. Monday. Well, Monday through Friday. Right. Uh, however, you, it is time to start to see the teams play in a more efficient, well-coached manner. And you got to get better. It's got to happen. They do. Maybe play all four quarters too. Yeah, and and so it just that's just part of it. And and I understand what Matt inherited, and then I think what Joe inherited has been blown out. I mean, when people say it was the best team ever, that's not the case. It was the best. You may could argue it was the best defense ever. It could have been when you were there in '99. It could have been some others under Jackie, and you know '80 and '81 with Ballard. But but either way, uh, Matt. They ha- the learning curve is steep, but eventually you have to shake it, or you're not the right person. But you're right; we still have, you know, five, six more weeks left. And you we'll you got to see the, fall where they're That's right. On Facebook, Junior, who's watching on Facebook, um, said um, we lost seven guys to the NFL and three first rounders. That's quite a loss. Okay, that is. And somebody on the text line here, um, who was it? QB one said there are excuses and there are reasons. And yeah, okay. Excuses are probably always what's embellished. Reasons are probably just reality. But everybody has reasons. I mean, Bo, Alabama's got to win some games without Tua Tonga-Valoa. Mm-hmm. You know, um, LSU's had to win some games without a receiver that they're getting back this week. Auburn's got to go win some games without its best running back, who, by the way, is a very, very good running back, and Jatarvius Whitlow. You know, so everybody's got reasons. It's just what you, what I think what I think we have to be careful about doing um, as fans, as radio people, as coaches, as players, and as athletics directors and as presidents at schools. We have to be really careful about willingly allowing in our heads to just kind of lower our own expectation level. In, in order to make it match what we're doing. Does that make any sense oh, at all? Yes. And here's something else, uh, Matt. MSU and Ole Miss are missing out on a heck of a window of opportunity because uh, – and you could take two of, two of the three, all right? So if you're MSU, Ole Miss and Arkansas aren't any good. If you're Ole Miss, MSU and Arkansas are not good. A&M to me, Matt, you see more than I do, but A&M to me is slap average. I can't f- and Auburn's figure them out. breaking in a – yeah, that's that's a total enigma, you know. I mean, I thought AK and Rick Stansberry were so the and Auburn's breaking in a freshman QB, and to me, Matt, and it sounds like y'all got to go. Uh, to me, uh, uh, LSU and Bama are not as dominant as they've been on defense. So what a wasted window of opportunity, in my opinion. Be good, buddy. Uh, you're doing great, and I, I appreciate uh, you letting me jump on. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. It's Bo Bounds. You can hear him in the morning on WRKS, The Zone 105.9. And, Bo, enjoy a little uh, Willie Nelson and uh, Ray Charles' Seven Spanish Angels. I think this is the karaoke version on the way to the break. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, you need to talk on about 10 more seconds. Oh, we got to fill some more time. That's right. All right. That's right. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about something that happened uh, this week or actually, I guess, the end of last week. I'll weigh in on that. All right. Farm Bureau Studio. Y'all stick around.
Phone line open to you, the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. It is a 601 number. If you're watching online, it's that one right there, 601-995-1059. That'll get you in. Hey, you're pretty good with that. You know, that weatherman trick where you're pointing at something that's not there <laughs> well, or that you can't see. Well, and Roger, see, it actually is there, but I'm looking at it backwards, and it's two different cameras. And so on one, my finger's too far away. <laughs> and the other one, it's so – I'm trying to find just – there we go. I've got to get you a laser pointer and just – that way <laughs> yeah. the, the well, beam never lies. And doggone, I have one of those around here somewhere, but I don't think it actually works on that TV screen. So no. it's like it – absorbs the laser or something it's really weird yeah, it's probably not good for the tv yeah it, probably not uh all right so you can get in you can text the show 885 espn tweet me at radio wyatt and it just might make the air we're talking about overcoming stuff you know there's a lot of examples i started the show today talking about jeffrey simmons prime example of oftentimes you make a mistake somebody makes a mistake and the world and the mushy-headed media and the social media mob and the people who root for some other team want that mistake branded permanently tattooed on your forehead and from now on, you're a bad person and an outcast. You don't deserve forgiveness, and you can't overcome it. And Jeffrey Simmons is an example of, yes, you can. You can overcome it. And man, 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 what a story he is. And what a player he is. And has done everything he's supposed to do. you got to be proud for him. And there's a lot of examples of that kind of thing. And you know what? Nobody attacked his mama again. Yeah, well, that's right. Uh, ended that i would not dare um you know it's a totally different thing but in terms of being criticized or marked or labeled man dak prescott you know there's not a whole lot of things that i would necessarily like stick my flag in the ground and say i totally agree with skip bayless on this and that and the other but i do agree with the idea that and I guess it's because he plays for the Cowboys. It's the Dallas Cowboys, the most valuable sports franchise in the world. Number one. We talk about being a quarterback of the Cowboys is like being the shortstop for the Yankees. No. America's team. Hey, flip it around. Being the shortstop of the Yankees is like being sort of like being a quarterback of the Cowboys. So a lot of the criticism is because he plays for the Cowboys. You say criticism. Wow. Nobody in the NFL currently is more dissected and scrutinized <laughs> than Dak Prescott. And all he does is continue to put on blinders 
and put a smile on his face and outwork everybody and just shine and shine and shine and shine. And you were talking about people who get blasted for single events in their lives. Think how different things would have been if he had, you know, he was at that, uh, yeah, a crux of a, of a, of a crossroads there mm-hmm. when he was attacked and he, he chose not to t- right. attack back when every guy, you know, Oh, oh, oh wouldn't let him get away with it. But that's right. He did the right thing. He had, I mean, what good judgment. I mean, I, of course he's a good quarterback. He, he is a step in the a- moment. He makes good decisions. That's right. He, he can process the situation, right? That's one of the things that makes him a great quarterback, but, all he does is win. All he does is win, and he'll make the plays, and he'll continue to make the plays. And, I mean, Dak Prescott's numbers this year, even in years when they've said he had a bad year, his numbers stack up with everybody else. You know, the rookie of the year thing that year. Again, everybody looks for ways to poke holes in him and scrutinize him, and all he does is go out and continue to prove you wrong and prove you wrong. It's all he's ever done, and it's all he's going to continue to do. And when they absolutely had to have it, same team in the division, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're both 3-3. Three and three. They're playing on Sunday night, national television. Dak Prescott, if he doesn't complete 80% of his throws, people will criticize him. Carson Wentz can go out there and throw two picks and complete 60% of his throws, but if two of them are for touchdowns, they talk about how great he is. It's two different things. And what does Dak do? Does his job and leads them to a blowout win over the Eagles. Jerry Jones, here he is. Uncle Jerry says they really needed this show that you could beat a good team. Well, I I think it's one game. We uh, sure needed to get out here as a a team, as as an organization. Uh, We need to uh, uh, basically, uh, I'd say, demonstrate to our fans, to ourselves, and to everybody that uh, we're capable of playing a team like the Eagles. We have a lot of respect. We have a lot of respect for their personnel. Uh, Jason Garrett, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. How'd Dak play? Thought he played an outstanding game. Uh, really was in control of everything. Uh, made great decisions throughout. Made a number of big plays. Plays with his feet. Plays with his arm. Uh, played really well in critical situations. Cashing in in the red zone uh, on some drives for us. And uh, just really did a nice job. Ryan Clark, former NFLer, analyst now on TV. This is the type of offense we saw the first three weeks. Exactly. We also saw this against the Giants in Washington and the Dolphins, but now you get a an uh, in-division dep- opponent, you get him in your home place, and you go out and attack them from the beginning of the game, and we saw what type of game Dak Prescott was able to have, and it also went into the run game with Ezekiel Elliott. And Booger McFarland. I think when you look at these quarterbacks, you have to relate to them uh, – how they fit in their system and with what that Doug Peterson wants to do with, with Carson Wentz, he fits really good in that system. Carson Wentz was a first, uh, first round pick. Uh, he, he's got two more years left and then the four year extension kicks in. So he's got six years. I look at Dak Prescott different because he wasn't a guy that was drafted high. He was only on a four year deal. Now he's only making $2 million. So I understand why Dak wants the money he wants because he feels like I wasn't a first round pick. Uh, I haven't gotten the money that the other guys have gotten. So in, 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 real, in realization, I need more. Like He needs more money to make up for the past performance that he feels like he's performed better than Winston Golf on top of where he is now. So how about that? What do you think? I, I really couldn't care less about all the contract stuff. Whatever they pay him, whether it's the most or not, I don't care. 
It doesn't matter one bit to I me. Feel like no, I feel like I could get I should get more money. You feel like you should? I mean, don't you feel like you should? Why should if I care? Life was fair. Why would I care in any like way what they pay him? Right. It's it's his contract, it's his deal. This is what I do. This is what I care about. He's going to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys for basically as long as he can stand up and keep playing. He's going to be around be for a, a Tom long time. Brady deal. Well, if he keeps playing and winning, he will. He's their guy for the foreseeable future, and I like it. Because they put the Cowboys on TV just about every weekend around here, and I like watching because of Dak Prescott. Selfishly, that's what I care about. They're going to put them on TV. I don't live in Missouri, so I can't get the Chiefs every weekend. Doggone it. I get the Saints on Fox. I get the Titans on CBS just about every weekend. If not them, the Falcons. And I always get the Cowboys. <laughs> that's what we get here locally on TV, and I'm happy about that. Uh, Fluffy on the text line says that when I said, you know, as big as being the, the Yankee shortstop, he said he wanted to remind me of Andy Stankiewicz or Bobby Meacham or Wayne Tollison and then said garbage. Listen, Fluffy, just because you're a Yankees hater, <laughs> you're like those Cowboys haters. You're just mad and upset and jealous that they have General the big brand. Right? Fluffy. Who knew you, Fluffy, were a Yankees hater? I'm not a Yankees fan. I I don't hate on the Yankees at all. I think they're cool. I like watching them play. They're good for baseball, all this stuff. Fine. I'm not a Yankees hater at all. Don't care one way or the other. What I hate on, if you want to use that phrase, hate on, what I pick on are these people who grew up in Mississippi and decided they're going to be a Yankees fan. We're just going to adopt the Yankees. Why? Because they're a winner. Oh, I'm a Yankees fan. Grew up in Bogachetta, Mississippi. Yankees fan. Okay. I never, growing up, heard one single Southerner say that. Though. Say that. Well, I'm here. I'm a Yankees now. fan. <laughs> I used to. I used to work with one of those front-running Yankees yeah. fans. Yankees was a bad word. I know. Cardinals and Braves fans around here, and man, you can justify it. Now, people say, Matt, why are you? Why do you say you're a Chiefs fan? I'll be honest with you. It's because I grew up in Alabama, and one time Derek Thomas, the great Alabama Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chiefs, came to my school. <laughs> As a little fella, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I thought, I'm going to pay attention to everything he does. Well, he wore number 55 and rushed the passer for the Chiefs. And so that's why I started following them. Next thing you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. Braves fan, obvious for me. Grew up watching the Braves on WTBS. You watch every game they ever had for years and years and years. They were the home of the Braves, the Superstation, WTBS. So that makes a lot of sense, too. Land Fl of the free, home of the Braves. <laughs> home of the Braves. Chop, chop. If y'all get rid of the chop, we're going to have a problem, Atlanta. It's going to keep on doing it, man. People are going to still do it. Fluffy says he is uh, he's a huge Yankees fan. Okay, Don Mattingly is his hero. All right, then. Front-running Yankees fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all have a great Tuesday night. I'll see you tomorrow. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.